listening to Rattle and Pedal, diversion thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Your hosts are Jason Malicki and Jeff McKay. So Jeff, I want to start with some confusion that you've given me in the last <laughs> 10 minutes. So I, I, I came into this podcast all prepared to talk about launching a new practice. And then you started talking and then we sort of centered in on the fact that we really weren't sure what we were talking about, whether we we're talking about launching a practice, launching a product, productizing a service, launching a service, launching a solution. So that's where I am. I don't really know what we're talking about at all. That should be a comfortable place for you. Yeah, I'm used to that. I always find my way out, though. With a little help from a friend. Yeah, do you know one? I do. And that's why I'm here. <laughs> As we start talking about this, I don't think we're unique. I think there is a lot of confusion in professional services about what is this? Is this a capability? Is this a solution? Is this a practice? Is this a service? Is this a product? Is this a discipline? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or is this just some model or what is it? And there is a lot of time, money, and resource wasted in developing and launching product solutions, offering services, capabilities, <laughs> whatever you call it. Yeah. And it's really important, particularly, you know, I, I think as a partner whose money it is, as a practice leader who's making investments for growth and marketers who are trying to manage all this stuff to get your arms around it. And it's hard. So hopefully we'll confuse people a little or they'll say, yeah, that's exactly what I thought I thought. And then we're going to help them unwind all this confusion. Sounds like the comedic archetype we described in one of our storytelling podcasts. Let's <laughs> <laughs> hope it doesn't end up being a comedy at the end where everybody, you know, is just imagining Will Ferrell running around like an idiot. No, I, I, I totally agree. And I, I believe this is your refrain, which is just how often do firms launch new services predicated on really just one client experience? You know, so they they do this thing with this client that goes exceptionally well. And then they say, oh my gosh, we should build a whole service around that and let's go launch it without really necessarily doing a whole lot of due diligence around whether or not this is something that A, the market needs, B, the market doesn't already have, you know, in, in spades. And C, does the firm have any relevance in launching something like this beyond where it's just operated? I think next to cross-selling, productizing some client engagement like you just described it is the holy grail for professional services firms. And it makes perfect sense on why they want to do it because it gives them scale. It allows them to package repetitive processes, increase profitability because you're repeating those processes. You're not learning from scratch. And what they really want is just, you know, a fast path to growth. So I, I get why they want to do it. It makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. But when they say do it, here's, here's the typical process in my experience. And you tell me if you've, if you've ever had to be a part of this, you probably haven't because you're on the agency side. You're not haven't been in there making the sausage on the... Well, you, um, usually what happens is, is they're trying to make the sausage and the sausage is toxic. And someone's <laughs> and going it, to 
die of painful death. And so then they call us to try to turn it into actually something that is market ready. Yeah, <laughs> so. that's, that's edible. That'll, that'll pass FDA approval. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, so here's the typical process. I've seen it and I've seen it in every firm, every firm. You'll get some consultant who does what you just said. Oh, gosh, we just had this engagement. It was so good. Our client is so happy and they think we should sell this to everybody and we're going to sell it to everybody. So out of the gate, what do consultants normally do? They name it. They they say, we're going to call this the name your acronym, <laughs> you know, the ART, the STM, what, whatever. They're going to try to get some silly name. That's an acronym that encapsulates the value of this thing. Then they immediately jump to packaging it. So they're going to reach out to, to marketing and they're going to say, well, you, you got to package this for it. You got to brand it. it. It it needs a name. It needs a logo. It needs its looking. It needs feel. another name. So, so it needs another name. So there's, there's an acronym to define the methodology, but then the service itself yeah. needs a name that layers, lays on top of that, right? Or yes, who knows? Or vice versa. Or vice versa. And then they say, oh, we got ahead of ourselves. This is going to be such a hit. We need to go trademark it. We got we to gotta trademark it. So let's protect it because this name is so good. We've got to protect it. So let's go protect it. And then they want to market it. And when they say market it, what they really want to do is they're like, okay, we need a brochure. We're going to need a press release to launch this thing. Oh, and people are going to need a place to go. We can't have them go to our website. We're going to need our own website and our own vanity URL with <laughs> with our web address, right? Oh, and then we're going to need to have a tour, right? We need we need to visit every office and and talk about this product. And we need seminars. So let's get some seminars out there or webinars and let's get it out there ASAP. Then then what they do is they say to all the other consultants, this is the greatest product ever. You need to go out and sell it to your clients or give us your clients' names and we'll go sell it to them because they need this. And now, then. So the, the funny thing is, is I'm, I'm, I'm sensing a lot of facetiousness in your comments here. At this point, we're in it for about 100 grand, 150 grand, 200 grand. I don't know. We're, we're in it for a pretty big number. <laughs> <laughs> and we've yet, we've yet to do any like real marketplace validation around, you know, is there a market for this thing? Is there a, a value proposition? Are, are there are there any competing things like it that are already there that mm -hmm. we, we should be aware of? Do we have clarity on who the actual client even is for this thing that we have? And then even, you know, I would even go upstream from that. Culturally, does it even make sense for us to be sort of pushing product the way that you're describing it. Because what I love about the story you just told is like, it's almost implying like we're going to ram this product down your throat without ever even thinking about whether you have a problem that this product is designed to solve. And firms do that, right? They do that a lot. Well, of course the market needs it because they had one successful client engagement. The market That's plenty. That's probably plenty. Yeah. Right? You're right. So, it, and, and you just accurately described you know, kind of the final step in the typical process. Nobody buys it. Failure. Nobody wants to go. Yeah. Nobody wants to go out and sell it because you only have one client that you sold to. So nobody wants to take you into their client and, and, and maybe they do take you into their client and that client's like, well, you know, that doesn't really apply to 
us or we don't have budget. It's not a high priority for us. Or the case interesting, may be. but yeah, yeah, no, thank you. And then it just falls short. And then you start over, right? And you're like, okay, well, where did we go wrong? And you just perfectly described where you went wrong. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. went on the assumption that because one client buy it, that there was this huge demand for it. Giant market swell waiting to explode. And we're on the, on the, on the cusp of it, right? Exactly. Exactly. You, you know, the interesting thing about the whole story, I love the story you just told. The thing that I find interesting about it is, is, is to me, it always comes back to what is the fundamental problem the client has that we're trying to solve with this solution? And what's shocking to me is how frequently firms can't answer that question very well for services and, and solutions they already have that are selling quite well. You know, they might they might have you know whole practices built around certain disciplines that are that, that are selling millions and millions of dollars of, of of fees, but they're really not clear on what the core problem is that it's designed for. Mm-hmm. And I, I just I think it gets heightened with a with a new service launch, right? Because you're you're as you've said many times, you're selling error here. You know, you're 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 identifying a, a, a marketplace need, and you think you've got a solution to solve it uh, because you've done it once or twice, but now it, it's heightened because you you really gotta you really gotta put a laser focus on this because you don't have all the the backing of of scale that you have and and the other services you're already providing. Exactly, exactly. There there's no due diligence in it. Hmm. You know, consultants carry the weight. You know, the firm wants growth, and gosh, marketers love the brand stuff. You know, and who doesn't want to put a product launch on their resume? It's a lot of fun, but they skip over the big step of doing due diligence. And I, I wrote a blog post on on due diligence uh, not too long ago, and they just take as due diligence that one client engagement, and it just doesn't make doesn't make sense. What does what's Lena into due diligence briefly? What what does due diligence look like? What does good due diligence look like? I mean, I have I, I mean, I, I already tossed some of them out there, right? You know, some of it is understanding the alternative options in the marketplace. I also thought about, and then our you know the relationship of our service relative to theirs. I think another layer of it is is there value and integration, meaning that if we're going to launch this new solution and it's going into a space we've not been prior, is there value in the relationship of this new solution to the existing things we already do? Meaning that those things combined is going to create more value for the client than if they were being bought separately as maybe they are now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What are the substitutes, right? What are the substitutes that are out there of, of... of other ways clients are solving this particular problem that are either inferior or, or maybe better. We don't, and we're not aware of them yet. Mm-hmm. I also lumped in there this notion of what's the point of view. So meaning what is the market lacking that, that we think is so broken that we need to launch this new thing. So that's the first mm-hmm. four or five things. What else comes to mind? I think you nailed a lot of them. I, I might add, and you kind of hinted at this, you know, how does it dovetail? with our current business strategy? Where does it fit into that? What are the key assumptions that we're making around this? Because really, you know what due diligence main intent is, and this is so counterintuitive 
to professional services in the scenario that we described at the start of this, due diligence should disprove the viability of this. It should say, this will never launch for these reasons. And to beat up the solution in a way that makes it better in the end. But most firms don't want to beat up somebody else's solution. In that scenario that I I described, you know, consultants normally say, I've already shown you that I can win business with this approach. I already did it. And I had nothing. I didn't have a name. I didn't have a methodology. I had nothing. I sold air out of, out of, out of, out of a bag. Right. And nobody knows my clients better than I do. And I know my clients will buy this. And that's normally what suffices as, as due diligence. And it's, it leads to more failures. And, and maybe they're not flame outs because in professional services firms, you know, things like this tend to kind of morph, you know, well, we did do that, but then we kind of called it this and then we moved it to that. Well, then we moved on into this market or something and it kind of just goes away. And all you're left with is some trademark name in your brand portfolio that a couple of years from now, a new marketing person is going to say, what is this? Why are we maintaining yeah. a trademark on this? Why, why, why do we own this? What, what are we what doing? Is this? What are we, what are we yeah. doing? Yeah. You're listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on growing your professional services firm. Your hosts are Jason Malicki, principal of Rattleback, the marketing agency for professional services firms, and Jeff McKay, former CMO and founder of strategy consultancy Prudent Pedal. If you find this podcast helpful, please help us by telling a friend and rating us on iTunes. Thank you. Now back to Jason and Jeff. I was thinking about, so a friend of mine from business school is a venture capitalist, and he has been for, I don't know, almost 20 years. And I I love talking to him about working in the VC space and what they go through. And what I find really fascinating is that one of his partners is kind of the euphoria guy, right? So every time a deal comes forward, he gets super excited about the market potential. He, you know, he reads the he reads the the story of of what the the investors are, or the entrepreneurs are trying to to create, and he falls in love with it, and he's all excited. And my friend is the is is really the due diligence guy, and so his job is basically to shoot everything down. You know, so he'll he'll look at the business plan, and he'll come up with all the faulty assumptions, and identify all the reasons this is going to fall flat on its face. And, and so he feels like his job is to constantly pull back the euphoria, you know, pull back. Everyone's so excited about this and he has to kind of ground them and say, well, here's all the, all the pitfalls that we're going to fall into here. Do we really want to fund this or not? And mm-hmm. I would argue, you know, in this category of launching a new service, firms need that, that voice. They need that person whose job it is to basically poke holes at the, at the model over and over again before they start putting real heavy money behind something. Now, is that person in marketing? Are they a a firm leader, a practice leader? I don't know that it even really matters. Does it matter? It does matter. You you touched on two very important points there, and I highlight these in the the post I did. The first one is your uh, euphoria. These become emotional decisions. It's, it's my baby. <laughs> you yeah. know, this and, is and, my and, baby and, and I'm going to launch it. We don't have time for due diligence, Jeff. This right. is going to be so huge. We're going to be on the front of it. We've got to act now or we're going to be on the outside looking and we're going to miss the market opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's what's happening in those VC firms all the time, you know, and, and sometimes they fall victim to that. I mean, you, the example was one of the books where Horowitz, I, I can't think of the, the whole firm, but they invest in Google Glass, right? And they're, and they're all about Google Glass. And, and as we all know, Google Glass really didn't pan out oh well. <laughs> There's mm-hmm. a lot of euphoria around that stuff. And, they, and sometimes they get caught up in the euphoria and they sort of miss the, the mark of what is this supposed to do. Anyway, move on. Sorry. It gets that way in professional services firms because most of the people in these firms are very successful people. They don't fail very often. You know, they are valedictorians or quarterbacks or, you know, whatever coming up through the system, the education system. They're not used to failing. They're high achievers. And to question their decision-making ability around a service or solution, you know, it's a personal affront. It's like, hey, have I not delivered year after year growth in my practice? How could you question my judgment around this? And that suffices. I think a situation like that is even more predominant. And this is the second point you made about who should be asking the questions and where is the larger the firm you're in, I think the chances of you launching a successful product are less because you're farther removed from the scrutinization of the top business leaders. If you're in a small firm, you know, leadership team's going to beat up every possible solution fairly well. But if you're a, a partner developing a solution within a practice, within a geography, and you're three or four layers removed from top management, you can get away with a lot of stuff that you can't in smaller firms. So top management should be the people scrutinizing this. I don't know that most marketers would have the credibility or the gravitas to challenge it and knock it down. But there has to be... One of the fundamental flaws with professional services marketing, in my opinion, I've said this before, is, is it's upside down, mm-hmm. meaning that in any great company, the marketing leadership is the one that's identifying the marketplace opportunity and making the hard decisions around what to what to fund and what to kill. Yet that's rarely the case in professional services firms. To me, that's that's the big opportunity for firms is to really become a mark, marketing-led organizations where the marketer has both the gravitas and the ability to step up, ask those hard questions and say, no, we're not doing this. And here's why. Mm-hmm. And if I'm a, the firm leadership, that's what I believe I should be wanting out of my marketing function, even though I'm probably not getting it right now. Well, if you're in a growth school, that's what you want. If you're in a productivity school, you want them to just brand it and trademark it and package it. Yeah. Just do what I told you to do. Right. And if marketing doesn't have the ability to say no, it should at least have the chops to facilitate the conversation for the people that can say no to do the due diligence. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if, if your heart's in the right place and I think most marketers probably would be, is you're beating it up in order to make it better, to improve the chances of its success. Because by saying, this is a threat, this is a threat, this is a threat, you can then engineer that threat out or at least minimize that threat. But most marketers, they don't have the business. And we talked about this and why your marketer doesn't understand your business, that they either don't have the business acumen They don't have the operational experience. They don't have the confidence or they haven't earned 
the right to give that type of feedback to people. But if anyone is going to understand how to launch a new product, service, solution offering, <laughs> it should be your marketing person. Well, what, what are we talking about here? We're talking about launching a new service, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be clear on that before we go any further along. No, I, I totally agree. And it frustrates me that marketers infrequently are either at the place to be that due diligence voice or are not seen as the, the people to be that voice. Mm-hmm. Um, but but we're going to change that because we're going to have a couple of more podcasts on how to do this and how to do it right. Okay. So we got to probably look at wrapping up this episode, but I wanted to just summarize what we've talked about. When we went into this conversation, we both agreed that there was a lot of fuzziness and noise around what is this, you know, launching a practice, a product, a service. I would say we settled in on really highlighting the typical mistakes firms make when they launch a new service. And as we look at this in a series, the ones that we're going to do next are going to be one on killing a practice. So how you put a practice to rest and one on productizing a service. So how do you take a service and turn it into a real tangible product for clients? Does that sound good to you? I like it. I think if our listeners can take what we're going to share with them, if they're not already doing it, this is going to add a lot of value and credibility to their role in their firm. All right, let's do it. Talk to you next week. See you, buddy. See you. Thank you for listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Find content related to this episode at rattleandpedal.com. Rattle and Pedal is also available on iTunes and Stitcher. Oh, oh.